each of you here on this Lord's Day. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm not going to read it yet, but I know how some of you like a head start. Second uh, uh, Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 is where we're going to head in just a moment. Second Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Have you ever heard of the term breaking the glass ceiling? Breaking the glass ceiling. When I was thinking of this, I thought of Hillary Clinton, because back in 2008, she made the statement as she was trying to become the Democrat nominee, the Democratic nominee for president, and for her, it would be the first lady to be that nominee. That was her glass ceiling. That was her ceiling that she wanted to break. Well, she didn't break it in 2008. But in 2016, I believe, is when she became the Democratic presidential nominee. But in 2016, she was hoping to break the next ceiling to be the first female president. Well, as we know, she did not break that ceiling. But a lot of times, as we think of that phrase, the glass ceiling... It's things sometimes we're trying to obtain that maybe have never been obtained. Maybe it's something that, that it is a goal. It is something that we're shooting for and something that, that we hope to one day to break. We find, though, sometimes in churches, we have our glass ceilings that we try to break. And here we are, mid-September, which... For us, in a church year, we're getting ready to start a new church year in October. And and here we are, preparing for that new church year. And what possible glass ceilings we're trying to break in our lives or in our churches? You know, last week, uh, if you took the totals in the bulletin, if you took the 79 in the first service, and the 215 in the second service, anybody fast in math? No. Preston? Okay. 79 and 215. What? 294. For some churches, the glass ceiling that they try to break is 300 in worship. And sometimes that's their goal. Sometimes Sunday school is the glass ceiling they're trying to break and maybe of having over 100 people in, in Sunday school. And so in one's life, sometimes there are those things, what we call those glass ceilings that we're trying to break. Well, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, we find where David is beginning to break one of those glass ceilings in his life. And so if you have your Bibles uh, or your cell phones, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, I'd like to read the first four verses. It says, All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, We are here, your own flesh and blood. Even while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led us out of out to battle and brought us back. The Lord also said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the kingdom of Hebron 
And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron in the Lord's presence, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began his reign, and he reigned for 40 years. What we find for David is one of those glass ceiling moments where he became king of Israel. As you read in 1 Samuel and in 2 Samuel, you'll see some of the struggles that he had and how Saul was trying to take over and, well, not take over, but to basically snuff David out so David wouldn't even have a chance to be king. And so we find that David has reached that glass ceiling moment where he now is able to become king of Israel and to reign in the people that were around him. This morning, I want us to, to look through some of this together. Uh, one of the things that I, I want us to see is the existence of glass ceilings and how they need to be accepted. In other words, sometimes we all hit that ceiling and we wonder how we're going to get through it. In our text, as I said a moment ago, the two primary people in our text this morning is Saul and David. Uh, and, and both of these men uh, are important, but as we look at this, we find that they were struggling. Saul was struggling, David was struggling. And sometimes in our lives, we are struggling. God, what is that next thing you want me to accomplish? What ceiling do you want me to go through? And, and, but in God's word, and as you look at the people that we look at this morning, we look at David, we look at Saul, they had, we would call it, they had baggage in their lives. They had a lot of baggage in their lives. But you know, even today, as we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we too have baggage in our lives. In other words, there's things that we're carrying along at times seem to weigh us down. But we find, even with Saul and even with David, how God can still use us, number one, and then, two, for us to see how to deal with some of this baggage that we need to get rid of in our lives. And so every person in this room has that problem where we, where we have things that hinder us, that baggage, as I was talking about, that hinder us in our walk or in our service with God. These things seem to hinder us. And so, you know, why does it seem so hard for us to admit that we're not perfect. <laughs> I know one time a person came up to the pastor later and said, Pastor, speak for yourself. I'm perfect. I don't think anybody would say that here. But you know, as we think about that, who is perfect? We're not. I'm not. But God is. Our Lord Jesus Christ is. He is the one. And so sometimes, you know, we all know that we're not perfect. But even with that, God is still able to work through us. And one of the things that he wants to do is that he wants to take some of that baggage away from us. He wants to take some of that baggage away and, and put it where it no longer exists. But if you're like I am sometimes... Well, God, what if I want it back? God, 
You know, it's like we want to hold on to the baggage because the baggage has become comfortable. The baggage is something that we're used to. But we would be set free if we allow God to take some of the baggage in our life. And so we, we need to see that. We'll never be broken until we accept the fact that, that we need to allow God to take some of the baggage in our lives. But we also need to acknowledge there's some things that we cannot do and achieve unless God is there to help us through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to think about Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. And even in his life, Saul had many things going against him. One of the biggest things that Saul had going against him was fear. Fear consumed Saul. He was worried about this. He was fearful of David. He, he was fearful of all these things. And even sometimes when Saul was needed, they had to go find him. Basically, he was hiding from life. He was hiding in places. He, he was very careful in coming out. But fear was taking hold of him. You see, sometimes when we are trying to, to reach new heights, fear gets a hold of us and, 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 and intimidates us. Another thing that happened to Saul was his impatience. Now, I know none of y'all have that problem, right? Impatient. Uh, nobody has that problem. Um, but he basically got impatient with God. I want you to see uh, over in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 13, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, beginning with, I think it is verse 7, uh, it says, some Hebrews, uh, some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Gil Gil Saul, however, was still in Gilgal, and, and all of his troops were gripped with fear. He waited seven days for the appointed time that Samuel had set, but Samuel didn't come to Gilgal, and the troops were deserting him. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offerings and the fellowship offering, and then he offered the burnt offerings. Just as he finished offering the burnt offerings, Samuel arrived, and so Saul went out to greet him, and Samuel asked, what? Have you done? In other words, the offerings that he was offering, that was not the time. That was not the place. Saul got impatient with, with Samuel, God's prophet, God's leader at that time. And so Saul said, hey, I'm king. I do what I want. And sometimes we, we're not a king, but don't we sometimes just say, well, I'll just do what I want. But, you know, doing what I want sometimes is not in the time and place for God. And so we find that, that Samuel became impatient. He also, you know, denied God in his own life. Even though God had appointed him, he denied him. We also find that Samuel became impulsive. You know, he, he gave commands that were costing him. In other words, he was telling people to do things that in the long run were costing him and eventually even cost the life of his own son. We find that also that, that Saul became very deceitful, uh, offering, you know, different things, knowing the consequences. He became very jealous we find that Saul was filled with anger. And because of all these things, he was never able to conquer the glass ceiling in his life. Excuse me. 
sometimes we say, God, why? Why am I not able to, to do this? Why am I not able to, to, to conquer the ceiling? But many times we need to look within to see, well, are we impatient? Do we have anger in our life? Is there jealousy in our life? Is there deceitfulness? You know, we, we need to look at those things. But then we look at David's life. We look at David's life and the glass ceiling of becoming the king. One of the biggest, I don't say disappointments, but one of the biggest problems that David had was his family. Uh, David's family seemed to always be standing in David's way. Uh, when Saul, I mean, I'm sorry, when Samuel came to anoint uh, King David, uh, the family didn't even call David to come up. Uh, the family, you know, was like, no, you know, not, not David. He, he's not going to be the one. Um, and, and even when David decided to fight Goliath, his family, his, his brothers were saying, David, go back to know what, go back to what you know. Go back to tend the sheep. Go back to, 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 to work with them. His family was standing in his way. Uh, his brothers criticized him uh, because they, they did not see or they didn't think that he was of that type of man. But that, is, that was one of the things. Also, his leadership um, sometimes got in the way, and, and then other times it, it was good, but uh, we find that his leadership got in the way. Uh, also, sometimes his background, David was a descendant of a poor shepherding family. In other words, you know, in, 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 in other circles, he, he was not of, the, of those circles. Uh, he did not come from power. He didn't come from wealth. He didn't come from prominence or, or you know, a royal descendant. He was a nobody. But God is saying what? God can take a nobody, can he? God can take a nobody. And then we also look at David and David in his youth and his inexperience. Uh, sometimes David was disrespectful. Sometimes he was underestimated. But again, God was willing to use him. And so we find that David, by the grace of God, was able to break through all those glass ceilings he faced in life. And he was an overcomer and he enjoyed the success of an overcomer. But even us today, what about you and I? What are the things that hinder us from excelling for the glory of God? You know, looking at a new church year, looking at our church and the state that it is in now, what about what do we want to do for God in the sense of excelling for the glory of God? It is very easy for us to become comfortable. It's very easy for us to say, preacher, we're, we're busy. You know, we got a lot of things, and that's true. But what do we want to do to excel? Maybe it's our family. Maybe it's, you know, we need to say, God, I've realized my temper, unless I allow you to control my temper, temper, I will never be able to be that one to reach for that ceiling. You know, what, what is it that we need to allow God to do in our lives today so that we could excel for the glory of God? What are those things? And, you know, that's those things where we need to get on our knees with God and be honest with him. He knows, 
but be honest with God and God will help you and reveal to you those things. Sometimes, you know, to get past the, uh, that identity in the sense of, well, you know, that person, you know, I, he grew up in LaBelle. He'll, he'll never be anything. But look what God is doing with the people of LaBelle. Look at our teenagers. Look at our adults, how God is working with them and doing great things you know, we, we need to see uh, the Spirit of God and, and how the Spirit of God, to allow it to work and, and to point out those things into our life. But also, we need to see this morning that, you know, there are things we need to attack. Um, one of the things I've been saying, and, and, and I'm just as, as guilty, um, our community is changing. Have you seen the influx? of people in our community. And we would say yes, but still that does not spur us on to be proactive and get out there and introduce, us, introduce ourselves to this new group that is coming into LaBelle. You know, we, that's maybe one of our glass ceilings that we need to shatter in this coming year is to reach out. How to, Where does... does too many words coming out of my mouth wrong. Um, we have so many people that God has brought into this town, and we need to let them know where First Baptist is. We need to let them know about Jesus Christ. We need to let them know that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We, we need to, and maybe that's one of those glass ceilings as a church we need to break. And, and, and there could be other things that we need to see. We need to also be reminded in our lives and in our, in our Christian lives the importance of operating by faith and not by sight. I know we all love to operate by sight. If we can see it, we can do it. But even God was calling men to be leaders. He called God's children in all different ages to look upon the things before them. And, and we see that many times the children of God would look only by sight and say, oh, no, we, we can't do this. But when they would operate by faith, things were totally different. And I think in our lives, we need to see the importance of living and working and operating by the, our faith in Jesus Christ. We also need to realize that God did not call us just to let us bang our heads against glass ceilings. In other words, oh, well, we'll never be able to do that. We'll never be able to do that. There were those that said that when we built that education building. But God has allowed us to use it, and today I would say that that building is full of activities every day that we God allows us to use it. You see, even David, you know, saw those things. And I'm sure even in our lives sometimes we see things and we feel like God wants us to do that. Uh, but we feel like we're just banging our heads uh, against that wall. We, we need to say, God, show me how we can break that glass ceiling, how we can shatter that. And, and then we realize that the only way to shatter, shatter those glass windows is by the power of God, by the power of God. And I, and I believe that's what God has done even with our education building. It's only there and being paid by the power of God. You see, David faced many troubles, difficulties, 
in his life. He wasn't troubled free. He, though, allowed God and, sh- and God showed him how to come, overcome each one of those by the power. He was able to defeat Goliath. He was able to defeat Saul, all because of God. Even in our lives today, we need to see that we still need God. I know you said, well, preacher, of course we do. But, you know, sometimes we act like we don't need him. We need to be careful. We always need him. But, you know, God not only has the power to do it, he also gives us every advantage we need to see that glass ceiling come down. He, maybe it's in our lives, maybe it's in our church, but he gives us the word. He gives us God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16, he gives us the word. He gives us also the precious promises all throughout the Bible, and every one is true. You see, our glass ceiling doesn't have to change when we attack them using the tools given by our Heavenly Father. This illustration, you know it, but I'll tell you about a man. He lost his job in 1832, defeated for the state legislature in 1832, Failed in business in 1833, elected to state legislature in 1834. His sweetheart died in 1835. He had a nervous breakdown in 1836. He, de- he was defeated for speaker in 1838, defeated for the nomination for Congress in 1843, elected to Congress in 1846, lost renomination in 1848, rejected for land officer in 1849, defeated for U.S. Senate in 1854, defeated uh, for nomination for vice president in 1856, and again defeated for U.S. Senate in 1858, but elected president in 1860. We all know that that is Abraham Lincoln. The glass ceilings he hit. (laughs) Sometimes they didn't break, did they? But what is the one thing we see? He didn't give up. God's timing, that, amen, God's timing. So what are we going to do with our glass ceilings? Maybe it's in our church. Maybe it's in our life. Maybe it's, well, preacher, you know, this glass ceiling has kept me in, but but what am I going to do? I believe those glass ceilings were made to be broken. And we need to say, God, these are the things that have been hindering me. And God, I need you to help me and show me. And God, deliver me so that I can break that window, that I can break that ceiling. And that we could do those things for him. We find that David saw that. In our lives, sometimes we just give up, and we need to be careful when we do that. We need to be careful if we just give up. Churches have given up, and in a few years, they've died. Christians sometimes give up, and it seems like Satan just takes over. We need to be careful in giving up. We need to reach out, and yes, those glass ceilings can be broken in our lives. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, today as we come, Lord, we just ask that you would show us, just like David and others, Lord, how to break those glass ceilings. Lord, what you can do. Lord, we are grateful for your love. And this morning, Lord, we all have those things in our lives that just stand in the way. Show us, Lord, through your power and your might how those can be broken. Lord, give us the strength. May we do it in your will. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.